Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Max Steel Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kavika, with my partner in crime as always, Nick. What's going on? We've been recording every week since we started this podcast. <laughs> it's been quite amazing. Very consistent um, with it. I'm pretty sure that we haven't missed a beat, and we've never been off air, even though it may have been for the last couple months. And I'm going to blame you. It's literally all your fault why we haven't recorded. I'll take the responsibility. You're doing all this work, you're doing all this <laughs> school, and it's just it's really fucking us up, Nick. And I can't have it. I ask you to record every week, and you just keep saying no to me, and I can't, I can't stand I, it anymore. I just keep putting it in the back, you know? No, the truth is... Uh, Nick's been fantastic, but he's also been doing outside work. You've been on other podcasts. You've been writing a lot, and that's been great because your your material's been fantastic. The oh, last thanks, piece, man. the last piece you did on Dr. and Fox, I literally was my favorite. The fact that you were able to, you did the percentage of when he drives to the lane, right? Yeah. Like how many times, like what his percentage of driving to the lane and making it was. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you said, okay, well, his percentage now compares to these three guards. If he upped his percentage by 5%, he would be in the top-tier guards like the Steph Currys, the yeah, Kyrie Irvings of the world. Exactly. The, I don't know how the hell you did that stat breakdown, but that that was literally one of my favorite things the, to read. The power of the internet, man. Like That was, that was some deep <laughs> intel, so I respect the hell out of that. But in the like since our last episode, I've moved, I got engaged, I've been in school, and I've still been working. So that really... <laughs> Yeah. Really took Lots the happened. congrats, man. Thanks on the engagement, not all the other stuff. That's kind of just <laughs> um, time consuming. But yeah, yeah, we're recording in in uh, my new uh, home, which I'm grateful to have. But yeah. that really took us away from getting to record, and we missed out on a lot of stuff. But you know, when we came into this, you know, the idea was we're going to do the best we can, and we'll go from there. Um, I want to say that I really appreciate everyone that's given us support. Um, we want to keep continuing to make good content and as long as our schedules continue to match up, we'd like to do that. I mean, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about still. I mean, we've got, you know, the Super Bowl just ended. We've got <clears throat> the combine about to happen. The mm-hmm. draft, uh, Todd McShay has, uh, four or five quarterbacks going in the first six picks. Yeah. That's disgusting. And yeah, we'll talk crazy. about that one day. Um, one day. Yeah, we got time. But, yeah, we got plenty of time, yeah. but honestly, the fact that you and I are still, you know, coming back to wanting to record and do this stuff after, you know, almost a year ago is when we did our first show. Yeah, dude, it's been a while. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah, so hopefully in the year 2018, we'll be better. We already missed January, so we're, yeah. we're right on cue. We missed, yeah, well, in the time we were gone, I missed another two predictions. I picked the Super Bowl wrong, and I picked the national championship wrong. So I'm right where I need to be. I've missed everything. Did I choose the... The national championship, correct? Did I choose Alabama? I'm pretty, I I don't think you did. I can't remember. Did I you? think you I, did. No, I did. you did. I did because it yeah, dude, Tua that that game was crazy. That was nuts. And yeah. because it's so late, essentially the conversation we had was Nick Saban has a ton of balls to yeah. pull out his starting quarterback and throw in a freshman in the sec to start the second half, and essentially he won them the game. Yeah. So it's crazy. I mean, that's what you get to do when you're Nick Saban, essentially. Yeah, it's nuts. Um, but crazy, uh, really off topic really quick. Um, Alabama had the sixth ranked, sixth ranked, uh, recruiting class this year. They weren't number one for the first time in forever. Georgia got the number one. Yeah. I was going to say Georgia. I saw a lot of people today putting on that hat. ASU had 36. There you go. You know, not, not too bad for, I didn't look at San Jose State's first, uh, 
first class. Yeah, San Jose State probably got a couple two star recruits. You they know, out, they out, out their class was better than Fresno State. I'll tell you that. Really? Yeah, rival. Wow, or, that's crazy. Uh, I mean, no twenty four seven sports. I was gonna that. say, yeah. I would say most people don't want to live in Fresno. I mean, Fresno State had a hell of a season. They were great. Shouts to you, Fonzo. But actually, he doesn't even care about Fresno. He says it all the time. So forget him. Can't he, say that he's he, got a job he there. Yeah, but he doesn't get to. He doesn't get to all of a sudden be like, yeah, Fresno State. So no, he doesn't get that credit. He's Arizona State. That's what he said. That's true. So, but yeah, San Jose State. That's cool, man. I mean, we need a lot. We, we, were, we, were, we were pretty awful this year. I appreciate that. We, were, we, we need were, a lot. Yeah, we were pretty awful this year. That's so. okay. Oh, dude, it's a lot. No, 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 don't worry about that. Um, but uh. Yeah, man. I mean, it was the first first year for a new head coach, and uh, a lot of kinks needed to be worked out. We didn't really improve much as the season went on, so that kind of sucks. Our defense was pretty awful. Um, offense, we still don't have a quarterback of the future yet. but In time. It's cool. Yeah, we'll see, man. We, we're young. We're young cats. So, y- talking about the Super Bowl, you and I both predicted the Super Bowl incorrectly. Not only did I predict the Patriots to win, but I predicted it to be very low scoring. Yeah. I, I predicted the under. I had the opposite. I had, what, 31 <laughs> Pats, 21 yeah. Eagles. And I only said that because, honestly, it's hard to have faith in Nick Foles just because, you know, he – don't get me wrong. The end of the season, he performed well. Even in the playoffs, he performed well. He torched the Vikings. Like, mm-hmm. by all means, he had every right to say, I am good enough to be here. But, uh, you know – Every time in the Super Bowl, you always talk about Bill Belichick's coaching. Yeah. And you always say, when it comes to the Super Bowl, he throws different looks at a quarterback, especially young quarterbacks, and he's able to tear them apart and get the W, basically. With that said, Nick Foles, you know, he went 28 for 43, 373 yards. Three touchdowns and one interception, and honestly, that one <laughs> interception isn't yeah. even his that fault. That interception was a fluke. Uh, yeah, it was, oh, definitely. It it was like the heavens sent that directly into the Patriots' hand <laughs> because that was insane. Alshon Jeffrey, that it was. He, he tips it and then he tries to sw- like grab at it and he swats it directly into the the hands of the opponent. It was something you you won't see very often. Is. I got to say, though, that, that Super Bowl is very entertaining to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of offense, not so much on the defense side. Yeah, no. Um, except the strip fumble at the end. Yeah. But, I mean, a lot of high offensive plays that, you know, made the game worth watching. And who would have thought that after a strip fumble, you know, with two minutes left in the game, Tom Brady still has a chance. I feel like I thought, I, I feel like everybody should think that. Because that's the way this stuff works out. It's what? Just, it's just the way it happened. First off, when the when the Eagles didn't get that freaking two-point conversion, you even text me. You're like, it's over. Patriots. Like, because that's just what's expected. You and, can't have a five-point lead. Yeah. And with, you know, once again, two minutes left, and, then and Tom the, Brady's going to yeah. And then, the, and then the thing even was, even with how bad Goskowski was, missing field goal, missing extra points, he wouldn't have even needed to. Yeah. It would have been a game over with the touchdown, with the six points. And then Tom Brady fumbles. Eagles, of course, they all they do is settle for a field goal, mm-hmm. make it eight point, so Tom Brady still has his chance. And he got them about as close as you can get them. Yeah. And, I mean, a lot of people were talking about it. Like, it, it was – if that play had happened 
any other time in the game, that's a pass interference on defense. Oh, but yeah. There was, the, there was a few But at the end of the things, game, they're never going to call that. You know? Like, yeah, I, they're not. It's, it's, it's accepted. You know? It's, it's kind of like the way the NBA, they don't call fouls for the most part. You know? Like, if you, if you drive to the hole at the end mm-hmm. of the game. Like, it's just... You know it's going to happen. You're a professional. It's, so. Uh, you know... But yeah, man. Nick Foles. I think the problem... Proved everyone wrong. The... Patriots couldn't get a running game. I mean, I'm looking at their stats. You know, James White went 7 for 45, had one touchdown. Deion Lewis, 9 for 36. And Burkhead, uh, 3 for 18. Tom Brady threw the ball 48 times. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. He threw for 505 yards. But, you know, you want more balance. I mean... Uh, you know, Foles, like I said, 373 yards, but on the ground. Blunt had uh, 90 yards on 14 carries and a touchdown, and Ajayi had uh, uh, 57 yards on nine carries. Um, you know, they were – they were uh, the Eagles were able to hold on to the ball more. Yeah, you know, I was going to say, that's the thing. Tom Brady did what he's going to do. I mean, it's Tom Brady, you know, 500-plus yards. But the Eagles – controlled that game they had the ball for 34 minutes compared to patriots 26 and if you can keep the hand the ball out of tom brady's hands for more than half the game you gotta like your chance of winning if when your offense is putting up the type of numbers that they were putting up like you said i mean the running game was going 6.1 yards per carry the pass game he almost threw for 400 yards i mean and aside from that interception there was just i mean he was money he was hitting everything the one thing i've i've told you and i've told a couple other people is doug peterson coached that game perfectly Mm -hmm. he was aggressive the entire time and that's something most coaches aren't against the patriots the fact that he went for it on fourth down multiple times the fact that he went for the two-point conversions he didn't get the two-point conversions but he got his fourth downs yeah and to keep one of those fourth downs was a touchdown yeah Yeah. and crazy that 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 was play crazy that was great it was a great call great time great play yeah um but even the fourth down to keep the drive alive that where they did the pick play to Ertz, mm-hmm. like that was a great call. And Ertz was a stud for catching it, you know, keeping his bare paws on the ball. <laughs> um, last thing I want to say before we close out is that Nelson Aguilar, in my opinion, was the unsung hero for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Foles went to him in crunch times and... He was targeted 11 times. He caught nine of those. Yeah. And, you know, he was the Julian Edelman that usually mm. the Patriots see, you know. Yeah. I mean, as someone that had Aguilar on his fantasy team. Oh, my God. That was, that was the so type, rough. That was the type of season he had, though. Yeah. It was either really up or really down. Yeah. So, I mean, it fit it fit the narrative of him, of the way he put, performed all season. But he came to play in the Super Bowl, like you said. So, Garrett Blunt and Chris Long both get back-to-back, back-to-back Super Bowls. Rings. Chris That's Long really- is... He's one of my heroes, man. Just yeah. his whole thing this season, not getting paychecks and stuff. That's, yeah. That's, that's crazy. That was That's dope. awesome. That was dope. But, yeah, I got to touch on the Doug Peterson. Like, it's not often that Bill Belichick is outcoached. Yeah. And, I mean, I won't say that he was outcoached by a lot, but Doug Peterson held his own more than necessary. You know, like you said, he showed balls any chance he had. He, he, he had, you know. At the beginning of the game, he got Nick Foles rolling. What was it? Three straight passes to start yeah. the game. To start the game. Three straight passes. Who does that? A, a quarterback that's been doubted the entire time. He's like, 
you're going to start this drive. We're going to get the ball moving, moving literally. And I mean, they, they didn't get in the end zone their first drive. They settled for a field goal, but that set the tone. They were going to come out. They were going to pass. They passed. I mean, the, you talk about the Patriots passing 49 times. They passed 44 times. Yeah, well, so I'm incorrect or I, I look dumb. Whatever. Why? I'm just kidding. Why? Oh, just oh no, I'm just saying the the Eagles. They went at the Patriots the yeah. same way the Patriots went at them. They did not back down at all. And, I mean, you wouldn't expect them to. They All the talk about them being the underdogs. They knew what they were coming into this game. Underdogs, three straight playoff yeah, everyone games. everyone wrote them off yeah. at the beginning three of the playoffs. Straight, once, once three goes straight down. playoff games. Yeah. It was the first time ever that a number one seed wasn't favored in the first round that they were playing in, in the divisional round. And, I mean... The disrespect. That's what I'm saying. And then coming into that game against the Vikings... And just obliterating them like that, and then having a, a classic game against the Patriots. It's it was uh, I mean Destined. it was a dream playoff. Yeah. yeah, it was it was what they what what it's made of what legends are made of. Eagles get their first Super Bowl ever as a franchise. Ever. That's pretty amazing. That's crazy to think about. Um, I mean, aside from that, they had been just blown out in the Super Bowls that they were in yeah. before. So, uh, fun fact about the Super Bowl. <laughs> Um, Doug Peterson's the only coach to ever beat Belichick as a quarterback and a head coach. Huh. Nice. It's always so, nice to see Belichick lose. <laughs> a Patriot, really is. Patriot hater to the fullest. I man. know. We both are, but we have our own reasons, right? I mean, well, as a Raiders fan, you should. Yeah. Like, you just, the no tuck rule. I'll, never, I'll never get over it. Um, but to segue into that, the Eagles had an MVP candidate in Carson Wentz. Before he goes down. Probably the MVP if he doesn't go down. I mean, his st- statistically, he was killing Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> Carson Wentz goes down. Foles leads them through the playoffs. Wins them the Super Bowl. Super Bowl MVP. And next year, he's scheduled to be the backup again. Oh, yeah. And it shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> he knows his. He understands his role in the Eagles. That yeah. Carson Wentz is the future. The Eagles franchise has been very open. Carson Wentz yeah. is the future. Wrong place, right time. No team has ever had a Super Bowl MVP backup. Foles has to go, right? He has to go. I mean, like we talked about before, his his trade value is peaked. It's as high as it's ever going to be. And, I mean, he is, with teams needing starting quarterbacks almost constantly, we talked about the Vikings. You said that they have no none of their three quarterbacks that have, that have started in the past couple years, Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, are under contract. They're all free agents. I mean, the, there's been multiple Vikings players. I, I can't remember who they were right now, but when, they, when, uh, when Alex Smith was traded to the Redskins— Vikings players were talking about they needed a quarterback like Kirk Cousins to 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 contend. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no reason why Nick Foles wouldn't have to be mentioned in the same breath. I think that the Eagles have a golden ticket in the sense of they have a franchise quarterback and they have the market of a franchise quarterback to sell, mm-hmm. which rarely ever happens. Um, there's a lot of teams in the market looking for a starting quarterback. I mean, the Browns are always looking for a starting quarterback. Um, you know, uh, Jaguars, I think it's early for them to give up on Blake Bortles, but 
hey, if you know they want to go after, they put so much money into that defense, they can't waste too many years with the offense. Guys like that they signed, like Calais Campbell, they're not getting any younger. I mean, Calais Campbell had one of the best seasons of his career, but at the same time, if that offense doesn't hold its own, then they just wasted a hundred million dollars in that last offseason on defensive players. And if they trade for Nick Foles, they're getting him for a pretty cheap price, right? Yeah. Nick Foles' contract right now. So 2018, he's in line to make $4 million as base salary. $3 million roster bonus. And that $3 million roster bonus, like I told you earlier, is due March 18th. So a little over a month away. About a, about a month and a little over a week. So, I mean, the Eagles' decision is going to come quick. You know what I'm saying? Because... I mean, and that's, it's just, that's, that's just what it is. And then his, he has a very interesting contract after that. So he's signed technically 2019 through 2021 after this year, after 2018, he has three more years and he's scheduled to make five and a half million, five and a half million and five and a half million. But the thing is with that uh, contract, he has the uh, 2019 through 2021 years automatically void if he's on the roster 23 days before the 2019 league year, according to spot track, basically it means he needs to be gone by 2019. <laughs> I, that's, that's literally what it is. Uh, Cause it, if they don't get rid of him, then he's going to be gone for nothing. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's no point in anybody trading for him after this season because he's going to be a free agent anyway. Mm-hmm. The only issue is that he'd be a free agent just 23 days before the 2019 league year, which wouldn't give him much time to, work with the team so with that you have you know the browns giants broncos jets cardinals maybe even the chargers maybe the bills maybe even the steelers uh jaguars and you know vikings teams we've already some that we've already mentioned looking for a quarterback Mm -hmm. you know Foles could be in the mix for them i mean and Foles is 29 years old 29 years old like i said that is Wasn't that like how old Brandon Whedon was when he got drafted? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like that's like getting to the prime of a quarterback's years. So I'm looking at Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford, who's going to be taking cap hits of 26 and a half million, 29 and a half million, 31 and a half million for the for 2018 through 2020. He's 30 years old. They would be getting him at one fifth the price, 20 percent of what Matt Stafford is making for the Lions. That's yeah. that's what Nick Foles is is worth right now, and he's a year younger. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. the Eagles are in prime position to get because you got to think the reason why the Niners are holding out on the Garoppolo deal is because they're waiting for Cousins to get signed. Yeah, and, uh, Garoppolo's agents already come out and said that. He mm-hmm. said we're waiting to see what Cousins gets because that's going to dictate the market. I mean, Alex Smith just got paid by the Skins, so yeah. you know, I, if if I'm a team. Maybe even like the Broncos. If I'm a team that says, hey, we still got a decent contending team. Yeah. If we throw a, a quarterback in there, hey, maybe even the Cardinals. Throw in a quarterback for now, draft one for later, maybe we can still stay ahead. At the end of the day, we both think Foles is gone. I, he has to be gone. He has to be. Here's the caveat, though. If Wentz isn't healthy in time for next season, they could hold on to Foles. You think like a midseason trade or just keep him the entire season? I don't know. It's just it's I mean, just the idea that if if Wentz isn't good to go, I mean, I mean, with a knee injury, you never know how long it could take. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater knee injury; it was more severe 
than uh, than Wentz. Wentz was just the a, simply the ACL, but that had him out an entire season after he had already missed the majority of the season prior. And I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, we haven't really seen him perform since then, so we don't even know what type of player he is now. So who knows if Wentz comes back the same way? I mean, a quarterback, it's not as crazy as a running back coming back from an ACL injury, but at the same time, it is it could be significant. So you're right. Maybe the Eagles want to play it safe and hold on to him, but are they willing to risk giving up a couple a couple draft picks to hold on to him for just one season and then the next season he's basically gone? If I'm the Eagles, I trade him. I mean, I could probably eat up $3 million if I'm the Eagles, but yeah. to get a better deal. Yeah. And then at the same time, I'm not sure – that contract, like I said, I'm not sure if it's void if he's only on the Eagles. It would have to be only void if he's on the Eagles, right? Mm-hmm. So if he plays next season, they could still trade him in the offseason going into the year after. So technically, he'd still be under control for three years. Mm-hmm. So who knows? Maybe they do see, want to check out how Wentz is next year and play it safe. But he, I, I still see him gone before next season. Either, just, either way, the Eagles are in a great spot. Yeah. It's just, you know. They made the right moves last offseason to get a guy like Alshon Jeffrey and look at where they are now. Mm-hmm. So um, going back to the team. I mean, even the tra- I was going to say, even the trade in the midseason to get Jay Ajayi. I yeah. Mean, they, they knew what they were going for. But to head back to the team that lost the Super Bowl, um, going into that game, it was reported that both the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator for the, pa- for the Patriots were headed out for head coaching jobs, and that would be Josh McDaniels was rumored to go to the Colts, and Matt Patricia was rumored to head to the Lions. After the Super Bowl ends, the Lions announce Matt Patricia is going to be the head coach for the Lions, and the Colts report that Josh McDaniels is going to be the head coach for them as well. What ended up happening is Matt Patricia cut his hair, trimmed his beard, showed up to a press conference being introduced as Lions head coach. He's ready to make their city proud, as he stated in his uh, press conference. He's coming in with a great team. You know, they have a pretty decent offense, franchise quarterback. He's a defensive-minded coach. Uh, In the times that he spent as defensive coordinator for the Patriots, uh, his defenses averaged throughout the season 19 points per game. Uh, that was second best next to the Seahawks. So clearly he knows how to run a very well defensive scheme with almost any players that he gets. Because the Patriots don't always have star-studded um, defensive players. And so he's able to use what he has. I was saying Patricia fell into a circumstance that was... I mean, the Lions are a couple years removed from being a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So... We've seen the potential that the Lions have. The Lions have always been a defensive-minded team. They have they, but their offense this year was 13th best in the league. Their offense per per game. Last year it was 21st. So their offense significantly improved this year. And I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. That offense lives and dies with Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, Matt Stafford is who they need. And that's it. Their their defense, eighth in the league this year, total defense. Okay. And they're adding Matt Patricia to that. Like you said, one of the best defensive coordinators since he's been defense coordinator, which I think it was 2012 when he started. 
so the Lions, I think Patricia fell into a place where he instantly can succeed. It's a risk because, like I said earlier, um, it's the he the Patriots were the only NFL team he's ever coached on. He's he's been there since I think it was 2004. So he's stepping out of his comfort zone finally. I mean, he's 43. He's still a really young coach, you know, but he's stepping out of his comfort zone and we'll see what happens. I just, I think the lions and him are a perfect fit. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was under Belichick for so many years that it's kind of like if I were to coach under Greg Popovich, uh, or, you know, Phil Jackson, it's almost like you get, you know, a golden ticket saying, Oh, your head coach approved basically. Um, and that's a cool thing to have, you know, that's a cool background to have. And yeah, I think Patricia's hopefully going to do great for the Lions. But to go to McDaniels, a lot different from what uh, Patricia went through. Yeah. The day before Daniels was supposed to be announced, he calls up the GM for the Colts, says, I got some bad news. GM basically said, are you in or are you out? And McDaniels chose to stay as offensive coordinator with the Patriots, which he would be turning down his second head coaching opportunity. He mm-hmm. had one with the Broncos. Obviously, that's when he drafted Tim Tebow. We all know how that went. At least they beat the Steelers in that one yeah. playoff game. Um, Tebow legacy. But it's interesting to hear that McDaniels stayed. Um, you and I talked a lot about it, and we'll share that here. But essentially, from what ESPN reported, is two main things. Actually, three. One. The night before McDaniels was supposed to, I shouldn't say the night, but the day before McDaniels is supposed to be introduced as a Colts head head coach, uh, Robert Kraft basically and probably their team went to McDaniels and said, look, Bill is willing to, and Bill was probably in the room too. They basically said, hey, Bill's willing to teach you all of his ways if you stay. And it sounds like the promise was when Bill decides to retire, McDaniels continues the legacy as head coach for the Patriots, Mm -hmm. which makes sense for reason number two. McDaniels has three kids, all varying in ages. For a coach, for a player, the idea to stay in one spot is huge because your family gets to grow up in one uh, school system, have the same friends, all of that jazz, something you and I can't relate to because we don't have families yet, but it's the idea of that, you know, in the world of sports, you can be moving almost every year, depending Mm -hmm. on what type of athlete or coach you are, that having that stability is huge. And then the third reason, which I think is kind of funny, Adam Schefter reported that Robert Kraft basically said, fuck the Colts because of deflate gate. Yeah. And I think that's hilarious. And the Colts GM today, I don't know his name, so I apologize, but they basically said the rivalry's back on, which I think is funny because the Colts kind of suck. Yeah. The Colts are awful. (laughs) <laughs> um, but basically, you were telling me maybe the idea of coaching, being the head coach for the Colts, wasn't that great of an opportunity because Andrew Luck has health issues. He is technically a franchise quarterback, but once again, health issues, mm-hmm. you kind of don't know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah. I mean, and the pieces around Andrew Luck are just as questionable as his health concerns. Frank Gore's a stud. Back off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For another six games, yeah, he'll be good. Hey, he's been he's been way better than I ever expected him to be after he left the Niners. I will say that he's been a consistent ass running back. Absolutely, but still, they're just they don't have any true young talent that you can build around like to that extent. 
Like when you talk about Andrew Luck, obviously he is when he's at his best, he is, I mean, a primetime quarterback. But like I said, Josh McDaniels already was a head coach. We already talked about that. He started out great with the Broncos, started out 6-0, and I believe, and then went on to lose uh, 17 of his next 22 games, I think. So he finished with a record of 11-17 and as a head coach for the Broncos. I mentioned right off the bat that this could be one of those same Romeo Cornell situations. Romeo Cornell coached for the Browns for four years, had one good season with the Browns. Uh, like I think they went 10 and six, but he had three really bad seasons. He had a six win season, a four win season, a 10 win season, and then a four win season. And then he was gone. So a 24 and 40 total record. Then he goes in and has a few years as an assistant coach. Then he gets in the second shot, Kansas City, 2011-2012. Kansas City, 2011, 2-1, he comes in as interim. Then 2012, he goes 2-14. And that is the end of Romeo Cornell's head coaching career Mm -hmm. and will be the end of his head coaching career. Everybody was already talking about how he's he's an assistant head coach right now with the Texans and defensive specialist. And Mike Vrabel goes and gets a head coaching job. Who Mike Vrabel was the defensive coordinator, technically. Romeo Cornell is old. Let's face it. He's an old mind, but he still is playing. He's still coaching with a playoff team in the Texans. But he's getting passed by, like I said, Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel got his head coaching gig. So the way I look at it is Josh McDaniels could possibly be seeing this shot as being a head coach as his last. Head coaches... They don't get much opportunity. I mean, as a Raider fan, I know that there are some coaches that came in and won't ever get opportunities again. But circumstances are are one of the main factors on if your team succeeds or not. Like I said, that's why I think Patricia with the Lions is such a good fit because we know that the Lions could be a playoff team. The Colts, they could be. They haven't looked like a playoff team for a few years now. So I think there was more of a risk if McDaniels left, leaving the the wing of Bill Belichick. I mean, he already has. He did before when he went to the Broncos. But leaving it again, I just think this one, the risk was a little a little too much for him to handle. Uh, Romeo is 70 years old. Yeah, exactly. Josh McDaniels is in his 40s. but I mean, he can't be as bad as Hugh Jackson. They had a whole uh, – the Browns fans had a whole day for him. That's uh, true. Uh, January 31st because, you know, he went 1-31. and 31, so, Oh, nice. You know, Dude, they celebrated Hugh Jackson. Oh, that's Jackson awesome. Day. They had throwing parades over there and having – oh, my God. I'm jealous of that franchise. I'm well, telling you. At least we're not Browns fans. At least we're not Browns fans. I mean, I'm not – my Raiders not much better. But. So, with McDaniels staying – it kind of adds to this conversation of what's the Patriots' future like. Um, the only reason I bring that up is because Tom Brady just turned 40. He played very well in the Super Bowl, and everyone says, so far, father of time can't find Brady. So like I said, people, the playoffs, Tom Brady is great because that's Tom Brady's time to shine. But December, he closed out the season. Then his last five games in December... He threw for six touchdowns and had five interceptions. His rating, his highest rating was 106 in those five games. For, for one game, he was 100, 106. 
Aside from that, he was 87.6, 82.4, 82, and 59.5 were his quarterback rating. He's still Tom Brady, but that kind of signified a little bit of him wearing down as the long 16-week NFL season goes on. And it's got to make you think, like I said, his playoffs, he came to play. I, I can't take that away from him. But if he, it kind of makes you wonder if he can continue to do that every single year. Yeah, in uh, three games, he threw eight touchdowns and zero interceptions had a qbr rating of uh 108 so i mean he comes to play in the super or in the playoffs i mean and in and then the majority of the regular season like you said he i mean he's still 32 touchdowns to eight interceptions 102 quarterback rating yeah and i mean last year he went you know the year before that he went 28 and two uh interceptions yeah. or touchdowns to interceptions and that was in like, 12 games i think right he yeah was four. 12 he games four. He was yeah suspensions so, but yeah, I don't I mean, know, man. The, like I just said, the Patriots haven't lost more than five games when Brady starts since 2008. Like, that's crazy. 2008, that was like when the Dolphins were actually good. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time. I mean, they Let's went 13-3 and three this year. I mean, he's going to be 41. Everyone can understand how age works. But yeah. as of right now, the stats say he's still a he's decent still got quarterback. It. You're right. It, more than decent. I hate him, but... <laughs> He's Still. now been to eight Super Bowls. Yeah. He's five and three. Two of them, two of the losses to the Giants, obviously. You know, everyone knows those stories, mm-hmm. you know, like the David Tyree catch, all that jazz. Yeah. And then this recent loss to Philly. Honestly, during the Super Bowl, something we didn't talk about, he did miss a few, like, pretty wide open passes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, you know, got hot with Gronk, too, at the start yeah. of the second half. So, I mean, there's a lot of up and downs, but. There were times during the Super Bowl Tom Brady didn't look like Tom Brady. Does that factor into age or how the Eagles played him? I mean, the Eagles rushed him a lot. So, I mean, there's a lot of different variants. But stats say quarterbacks over 40 don't perform well. Yeah. Maybe Tom Brady proves them wrong. In my heart of hearts, I say Tom Brady probably has three more good years like he did this year. And Mm -hmm. then maybe it tails off. But then he'd be 44 by then. Yeah. I mean, that means he's ready for arena football at that point, you know, another <laughs> another six years of the playing. Canadian league. Yeah, I was going to say. He's got all of these opportunities. Yeah. China has a football league yeah. now, too. XFL you know? in 2020, right? Yeah, that's not yeah. going to He announced it. There's no way he can fund that. Um, but nonetheless, even as a Niners fan who has Joe Montana, even Steve Young, Tom Brady is arguably the best quarterback to ever play in at the age of 40, to still produce the numbers that he did. It's hard to say that it's going to go down anytime soon, but the question you know, ESPN posed is, what do you? is the Patriots dynasty dead? And my argument, as of right now, where we stand, no. Yeah. The AFC is good. Yeah. But well, the Patriots are better. They're, you know, the spurs of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, know? especially when it comes to their division. I mean, yeah. the AFC East is the Patriots division. I mean, obviously, right now, as they have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady together, their dynasty is not done until one of those guys leaves. And I was going to ask you, did you read the article that, that posted like maybe a month ago about all the drama that yeah. happened with the Patriots? Yeah, it was a long-ass article. With all this stuff, I feel like... Belichick and Kraft just kind of different different views. They talked about that was the reason why uh, Belichick got rid of Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. 
just basically setting up the Patriots for when Belichick leaves to just be screwed. Mm-hmm. Just it'll be all on Tom Brady's shoulders. So which kind of made me wonder about Josh McDaniel staying and it talked it, the, the articles I read today in ESPN talked about Josh McDaniels. Uh, Bill Belichick played a big role in McDaniels staying. He said he'd teach him like uh, like more about contracts and how to how, how to work he runs the cap the finances. exactly. So which is huge, but at the same time, I also read another story talking about how uh, Bill Belichick didn't let Robert Kraft in on him not using not preparing to use Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl, and it talked about Bill Belichick's past and how he does. The Nick Saban style, the unconventional stuff. Talked about how when he was with the Giants, he told them to let the uh, the Bills running back run all over him, so that Jim Kelly and that the high powered passing offense wouldn't be able to throw for four hundred yards. Just stuff like that. And then it talked. It had a quote uh, from Robert Kraft uh, before the Super Bowl. Asked uh, Robert Kraft was actually asked if Belichick ever gives him an idea of what the game plan is, and he he quoted as saying, "Coach always gives me a pretty good overview before the game." But this CBS story says that even Kraft was surprised that Malcolm Butler didn't, or Kraft wasn't informed that Belichick was going to bench Malcolm Butler. So it makes you start wondering. It makes me wonder and hope because, like I said, Patriot hater, glorified. <laughs> uh, it it got it makes you wonder if. The tension between them is just is too much to handle. And after a losing losing a Super Bowl, obviously it's not like losing in the first round of the playoffs. But when it comes to the Patriots, losing in the Super Bowl isn't something that they really accept. You know, I've read a couple of things that Patriots fans have said. And honestly, Patriots fans are to the point where if they don't make it to the Super Bowl, it's a failed season. Yeah. And what type of world can you live in like that? And Eight Super Bowls since 2000? So, I mean, I mean, that's it, almost fifty percent of the time. Yeah, it's the idea that honestly, the Patriots fight through adversity, any kind of adversity, yeah. adversity, and it's almost that kind of thing where they use like when Tom Brady's hand got injured. Mm-hmm. I, I think they use the media to help play against their opponent. Tom, you know? Yeah, Tom Brady comes wearing two gloves. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and then they ask him, and he. I, sometimes I wear gloves to press conferences. They're just—they're all about yeah, mind, mind games, games, man. They're yeah. all about mind, and of course it is. They have the hood. He's a freaking—I I forget the reference, the Star Wars reference, but he's—he's he's pure evil, man. He's, it's the hood. It's he's what the he does. Yeah, it's what he does. That's like, funny, and that's the thing—is just that you know. I think right now the Patriots dynasty is fine, and I think you're right. I think that once Belichick or Brady leave, which I don't know if that'll you know, ever happen in the next couple years. But when it does, that's when people can sit back and say, it's over. It's over. But right now, it's it's intact. Yeah. With those two at the, at, in their roles, they're intact. Yeah. And they may fight outside, but the media never hears it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's getting reported now, but you know, but even then it's just, it's like whispers more than anything, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's no, there's no name, name, name and names. It's all just sources. They keep it super professional. Yeah, it's all just sources. I mean, and that's the thing of, about Bill Belichick is he never gave gives the media anything anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if anybody's watched his interviews, you see that he's just, no. Yeah. We got to play better. 
Like that's that's what he is. He has that whole aura of you're not going to get inside my mind. I'm going to get inside you guys. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to write what you think you know, but you don't know shit. Mm-hmm. That's literally Bill Belichick mantra. Yeah. So I mean, at the end of the day, who knows what he's really thinking? And this will lead to my next question. It's super early. Who do you think is going to be in the Super Bowl next year? <laughs> I was going to say Patriots. Yeah, exactly. I mean, That's and, my point. And from the NFC, uh, I can see the Saints. Okay. I feel like I feel like they should have made it there this year. Honestly, I mm-hmm. think they had a really good team. I think they, or I mean, even somebody like the Rams. And when people mention teams, they talk about the Patriots dynasty being over. Who's the next dynasty? I think the Rams might be the best, the the team most suited for the future. Uh, they've got a fantastic team. Yeah, I mean, um, and they. Coach is young, quarterback's young, running back young. Aaron Donald's great monster. Uh, and they're defensive MVP. They're set. Yeah, they're for the most part they they've set themselves up mm-hmm. to to be consistently good for I the mean, next ten years, especially in as the long downturn as they for uh, the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Niners are going to sign Garoppolo to a huge deal. We'll find out if it's worth it. He only played you know a couple games with the Niners this year, so we'll see. But when you when I ask that question of who's going to be in the Super Bowl next year, it's hard to not say the Patriots. I can't think of a everything year, we just said. You, aside you look from at the, it and you yeah. go, oh. aside from the year when Tom Brady got hurt, there hasn't been a year when some. If somebody asked me that, I didn't say that the Patriots are more than likely going to be in the Super Bowl for the AFC. Yeah, just, and that's so just the way it is. I mean, right now I would have to say, yeah, the Patriots will probably be back there. Who's the NFC team? Honestly, I couldn't tell you. But if the Vikings find a decent quarterback, maybe if. Um, maybe the Rams. They if they continue to build off of their success, I liked your Saints pick. If the Vikings actually decide on who's their quarterback is going to be, you know, maybe. Um, but that's that's why it's crazy to think that after everything the media is saying, it's hard not to say the Patriots will be back again. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would I would probably put my money on the fact that. Tom Brady and Belichick probably win another Super Bowl. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Not at all. I hate it. So during this wonderful time of Super Bowl, National Championship for college football, we get the NBA still going on. The Kings scored nine points <laughs> in the first quarter against the Bulls. But hey, they still I won. I was going to say, did they win, Kavika? They still won. But did nine they, points in the win? first quarter, that's ridiculous. That leads me to the fact that the NBA trade deadline is tomorrow. We are recording this podcast on Wednesday, February 7th. And the trade deadline, as I said, is tomorrow. And one of the biggest trades in the NBA happened not too long ago. That was Blake Griffin of the Clippers heading to Detroit. Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic. Avery Bradley, a 2018 protected, uh, I believe it's the first through fourth pick, uh, it's protected, first rounder, and a 2019 second round pick were sent to the Clippers. The Pistons got Blake Griffin, Bryce Johnson, Willie Reed. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's been the biggest trade of the early uh, lead up to the trade deadline. Um, So, I mean, it's... 
since then, there's been a couple trades uh, on smaller levels. The biggest ones other than that would be Nikola Mirotic going to the Pelicans. Mm-hmm. Um, Pelicans obviously trying to fill the void that DeMarcus Cousins left after he got hurt. Uh, the Bulls got, in that deal, the Bulls got Tony Allen, Omar Ishik, Jameer Nelson, a 2018 first-round pick, a 2021 first-round pick swap rights, and the Pelicans got Miritich and a 2018 second-round pick. That's a huge deal for the Bulls. The Bulls are yeah. stacking up for the future. Mm-hmm. I was they they were talking about it when we were watching the Kings about the they were saying the the T Wolves Bulls trade. It's it's working for both teams right now. I would wouldn't necessarily say that, but. In a couple of years, it's gonna have it will have worked out Paid for both. For the Bulls. Yes, because they got Zach Levine. Chris Dunn's injured right now. From he's having a great year though. Yeah, he, he was plays. having a really good year before that freaking dunk fail. Um, and then they got Laurie Markkinen out of that deal as well. Yeah. So and he's been fantastic. Yeah. He's had the most three pointers. I mean, before he took leave uh, for yeah. his firstborn child, but he had had the most three pointers as a rookie, mm-hmm. and he's he was beating guys like Ray Allen and like all the top three point shooters mm-hmm. until he took his leave. So, yeah. I mean, Markkinen's going to be a great player. Yeah, and then like I said, I mean, they got another first round pick and then first round pick swap rights in 2021, which I mean, we don't know the class. Yet. Yeah, I mean, someone does, but we, we don't know anything. But I mean, the way the Pelicans are set up. Who knows if they even have DeMarcus Cousins? He's a free agent at the end of this year. At that time, yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's going to be a conversation we'll have to talk about later. Yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. So, but I mean, the Bulls are stacking up chips right now, and they, yeah. their future is looking a lot better than last year when they had Rajon Rondo, Jimmy Butler, and Dwayne Wade, Wade all <laughs> trying oh, to yeah. figure out what the hell they're doing. I agree. And then uh, the Nets sent Tyler Zeller to the Bucks. The Nets got Rashad Vaughn in a 2018 first second round pick, excuse me. And the Knicks traded Willie Hernan Gomez, who hadn't played since like 2017. It's been almost a month and a half now. Uh, to the Hornets. The Hornets got Willie Hernan Gomez. The Knicks got Johnny O'Brien, a 2020 second round pick, and a 2021 and 2021 second round picks. And that deal went down today, right? Yep. You know, like right down before we today. started this. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, other than the Blake Griffin trade, like like I already said. There just isn't really anything uh, to really acclaim about, you know. Well, if we look back at the Blake Griffin trade, right now as it stands, the uh, Pistons are in ninth place. They're 27 and 26. They're basically tied, you know, actually uh, because of the loss, they're right behind eighth place to the Sixers. Um, but since they've traded for Griffin, they're 5-0. and oh. And it's funny that when this trade went down, you know that I have Andre Drummond on my fantasy team. And the first thing you told me was, say goodbye to your rebounds. Which I think is really funny because I thought the same too. I thought it would cut into uh, Drummond's play. Mm -hmm. But if you run down Blake's stats. So in Griffin's first game with the Pistons, he went 24-10. and Next game, 16-9. and Next game, 21-9. and And then tonight, he went... 25 and a three and he's really been establishing himself as a stretch forward mm-hmm. uh someone that complements uh drummond very well uh and honestly i haven't seen a dip in uh drummond's stats at all which is pretty amazing like a good example um three games ago he went 23 and 20 next game he went 17 and 17 and tonight he went 17 and 27. He got 27 rebounds tonight. 
I think that the Blake Griffin deal for the Pistons, other than the finances that they took on, they took on a five-year, $171 million contract. Mm -hmm. As of right now, being in ninth place, this deal turned the tides for them to be not only a decent playoff contending team, they actually have a chance to make it through multiple rounds of the playoffs, Mm -hmm. which... Obviously, the Pistons haven't got to experience in a long time. They're in a new arena. The Pistons making this deal told their fans, we're in it now. We're ready to win. And they've got the talent to do it. Drummond deserves to experience a winning team. You know, he's went from being one of the worst free throw shooters in the NBA to a not so bad one. I think he's up 30 points in his percentage, which is, quote unquote, not so bad anymore. Um (laughs) That's a really crappy way to put it, but that's the best way you can do it. I've got to watch the Pistons' last two games, and Griffin looks like he's having a blast out there. you know. And it looks like when they get Reggie Jackson back, the Pistons are going to be a force again. And, I mean, even more than they are now. And that's awesome to see. And Blake Griffin deserves it too. I mean, you know, he committed to the Clippers this past year. You know, he signed that huge deal with them, and under the guise and the promise that he was going to be their franchise guy and they dealt him. Yeah. And whether, you know, we want to point it out or not, it's the fact that, you know, owners see it as this is a great business move for us. And for Blake, he lived in LA since he got drafted and now he's in Detroit. I mean, I'm sure he's happy to be on a winning team, but it's like you up and moved his life in a matter of a call. And so I'm happy for Blake. I think that the Pistons are going to be dirty. And I think that it's almost similar to the Pelicans, right, with with Davis and Cousins. But I don't think they complement each other as well as Drummond and Griffin do. Mm -hmm. And you can just see it in their, you know, um, their play, you know, two, two, three nights ago, uh, Griffin had three threes. Um, You know, he's able to he's got a good jumper. You know, and, you know, he's doing everything as a big that Drummond can't and vice versa. Drummond's doing everything that Blake's not uh, the best at. One of them being rebounding. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Drummond's always been a stud when it came when it comes down to, you know, grabbing the ball off the glass. And so essentially what I'm trying to say is that the fact that Detroit was able to nail this deal down, I wouldn't sleep on Detroit going into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, they're definitely going to make it. Now, I was going to so. say, so this is what I'm going to say. This is this is just really early. Their next, the Pistons' next four games. First of all, Friday is going to be interesting. The Clippers face the Pistons. That's a in, wall. In, in Detroit. Yeah. Then the Pistons play on the road against the Hawks. Hawks are hopeless. <laughs> then the Pistons come back home on Monday and play the Pelicans. Pelicans not in the best spot right now. Then the Pistons play the Hawks again at home. Then they have the Celtics. The Pistons are at home against the Celtics, which is a tough game. But then they go on the road and face the Hornets. So their next, what is that? Their next six games, they could easily go five and one. Yeah. I mean, the Celtics, they could, if they beat the Celtics, they could easily go six and up. I mean, other than that, I don't see I don't see them really losing. They might lose to the Hawks just because of the whole you guys play each other two times in a short period of time. They usually you split it. I say that because I'm looking at the standings in the East, and the Pistons are 11 games out of first. 
the Cavaliers, who are the third seed, are seven games out of first. Four games separates the three seed from the nine seed in the East. The Pistons jump. If they get, if they they can jump into the six seed, they're back two games from the Pacers right now. They can jump into the six seed in two weeks, easy, if not one week. And they haven't lost since they got. That's Griffin, what I'm saying. So. And their schedule right now lines up for some easy, easy games if they continue to play the way they are. So I mean, we could see the Pistons. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Pistons are in the seven seed before All Star break. Mm-hmm. If I'm a Detroit fan, I'm super happy. That's all I can. Yeah. That's the best way I can put it. Yeah. I mean, you have a you have owners in a franchise showing you that they're putting it, they're giving it back to their fans, and so good for them. Speaking of the Pistons making some deals, you brought up the fact that they might be looking at a deal with the Kings. Maybe that's pretty much. My thought process. Oh, your thought process. Yeah. Okay. They're looking for a shooter. Mm-hmm. For a shooter because they lost Tobias Harris, because they lost Avery Bradley. The Kings have a bunch of veteran players that they're open to trading. George Hill being the main player that's been getting garnering most of the attention from the Cavaliers. And now they're saying that there's rumors that the Nuggets are interested on him and him as well. Also, the Rockets. We'll talk about the, that in a yeah. minute. <laughs> But then the Kings also have players like Vince Carter, who's become a sharpshooter in the end of towards the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, we've always talked about it. The way he was able to change his career. Yeah, and reinvent I mean, himself he realized he wasn't going to have that bounce forever, mm-hmm. and he's slid in perfectly. And it would be a nice gesture for the Kings to send him to a playoff team if that playoff team would play him. That's the whole reason why he said he didn't go to the Warriors. He said he didn't want to sit on the bench. He wanted to be a veteran uh, leader, but he also wanted to get floor time. So Carter's shooting 36, essentially 37% from behind three. That's yeah. pretty standard. So, I mean, looking at a player like that, and he wouldn't give him too many minutes. He'd probably play under 20, but he'd be a decent a decent role player for them. Yeah, I, I mean, think. he's getting about that same amount for the Kings. Yeah. And, you know, he's... He's averaging two threes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. Um, yeah. I should say two, three, or 2.6 uh, three-point attempts. He's mm-hmm. averaging about one per game. But, yeah. I mean, he's also in a different role with the Kings. He's not yeah. like a, a spot shooter particularly. But, mm-hmm. I mean, he could easily be one for yeah, a team I mean, league. He could easily be a, a eighth player for, for a playoff team right now. Eight, eighth, ninth player off the bench, you know. I mean, like a good example is in 2012, 2013, he was, you know, with the with Dallas. He kind of was in that role of being a spot shooter and uh, averaging 4.93 attempts. And he was hitting two. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's almost – he was shooting 40 or – he was shooting forty percent then, so I mean, yeah. yeah, he can fill that role if he needs to. Exactly. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to get you're fine. On that. <laughs> no, so that's what I'm saying. The Kings are looking for players to get rid of. They they have, but the players we need picks too. We exactly. Them, so. so, looking at the Pistons, they gave up their first round pick of 2018 to the Clippers in that deal. The Kings are without a 2019 first-round pick because it's either going to go to Philadelphia or Boston, depending on circumstances. Thanks, Vladdy. Yeah. So 2019, the Kings are – they have to be looking to add draft picks. The Kings came out saying that they want draft picks right now rather than players if they get rid of the people they have because they feel like they have a good base. They have De'Aaron Fox. They have Willie Cauley-Stein. Bogdan. Bogdan, yeah. So – 
they feel like they have a good a good feel of what type of team they want to what players they want to build around right now. The Kings also don't have a second round pick in 2019, or no, they did they acquire that? Yeah, they acquired a 2019 second round pick, and so. But they don't have, like I said, they don't have a first round pick in 2019. The Pistons have a first round pick that they could potentially give up. I'm not sure Vince Carter would get them a a first round pick. I don't think he would. Mm -mm. But George Hill possibly could. And George Hill has been a pretty good shooter with the Kings. And I mean, well, I mean, you know, Reggie Jackson's out. They have Ish Smith um, in replace for them. And Jackson hasn't been cleared for basketball play yet. So. I mean, adding George Hill only helps, right? And, yeah. And, you know, if somehow we could wheel and deal for that first yeah. pick. Then that's and, I mean, George us. Hill's contract is a little big. It's $19 million, But the pick's front-loaded, too. Uh, yeah. So, so he's going to – but he has this year and then next year, and then it's a, it's a team option for his third season. Mm-hmm. So the Pistons could – be the same type of team to dump him next year if things didn't work out mm-hmm. because he's such an because he'd have a, an expiring contract basically with the team option. So the Kings, obviously, we always focus on the Kings here. The Kings, George Hill, Rockets. I told you what the the possibility is: a one for one trade, George Hill for the the name who has. Been in Sacramento more than he has as of late. <laughs> Ryan Anderson. That would, you, Why you, he sticks with us so much. Why fans and the Kings are so religiously obsessed. focused on him. Yes, obsessed with him. It. I don't understand it. Makes it. no sense. Maybe, I mean, five years ago, yeah, maybe I liked him. That'd be the most Kings trade ever if we did that. Yep. Take on two more years, $41 million that he still has on his contract. So basically, him and George Hill almost have identical contracts. George Hill, two years, uh, three. It's a three-year deal, fifty-seven million, but the third year is an option. So basically, two years, about forty million. So they're basically identical, but that goes against everything the Kings said they want to do, yeah. which is get draft picks. I don't understand why. If yeah, if we make that that deal, I'll be pretty damn upset. That's the best way I can put that one. <laughs> um, other than that, I don't. I mean. Mm. If the cap, the Cavs will never give up that Nets pick for a guy like yeah, George no, Hill. So I mean, not. Kings fans shouldn't expect that at all. I mean, I'm okay with the Kings essentially giving up any of our veterans or any of our mid tier guys, except for Scal, I guess, for more picks because that's what the Kings need. The Kings it, need picks. So is it crazy to think that the Cavs would give up their first round pick for George Hill? No, knowing that they already have a Nets pick, oh, I'm saying no, they're not pr- their own, right? No, no, no. That's, that's what I feel like the Kings should try and focus on getting. And and I, there was a story about uh, Jason Jones wrote uh, in the Sacramento Bee talking about how the Kings have been patient with getting rid of George Hill. George Hill has come out and said multiple times that this isn't what he signed up for, basically saying that the, the once the focus went on building, making the youth better – he kind of was like, well, where does that leave me? That type of thing, you know? So it's interesting that the Kings aren't more in a rush, in more of a rush to get rid of George Hill. Yeah. But, I mean, he's been a true pro. He, he's come in. He had a really good game against the Bulls. Um, he's just, I mean, he's he's been a pro. 
So, but he's he has come out multiple times talking about questioning the the belief in Sacramento, the structure. So yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. If he doesn't want to be here, then yeah, he has the right to. You know, we I'm okay with trading him. Like you know, I like him as a player. I think he's good. But yeah, if if and he serves a purpose for you know teaching De'Aaron and whatnot. But hey, like if Mason we get too. yeah, if we get rid of him, then. It opens the door for Fox and Mason, and yeah, there'll be a lot of struggle, but hey, I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. is proving you can be a fantastic starting point guard in the NBA, even Lonzo Ball. If the Kings make a deal, hopefully it's not for Ryan Anderson. That's what I'm going to put it. If we deal George Hill, as long as we get a good pick in return, maybe a few, great. Um, I actually, when you brought up the fact that we could trade to the Pistons to try to land one of their picks, that was a great idea. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe something similar like similar to that happens. Um, there's just no guarantee, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem with the deadline is there's a lot of rumors and not so much movement. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Cavs have been rumored to get essentially everybody. <laughs> yeah. DeAndre Jordan thrown around, but nothing. like there's There hasn't been any type of... I mean, what helps trade. is the fact that they have that Nets pick, but it's mm-hmm. like it doesn't sound like they're willing to deal with it. If they were, it would probably open a lot, open up a lot more doors for them. Um, you know, you and I talked about it. They've been on a somewhat losing skid as of late, but tonight they beat uh, the Timberwolves. Since the new year, they're seven and eleven. They beat the Timber Timberwolves one forty to one thirty eight. LeBron had a triple double, thirty seven, fifteen assists, ten rebounds. Um, so Father Time hasn't caught up to him yet either, but. You know, clearly there's something going on with the Cavs that is no longer just within the locker room. It's very apparent on the court, Um, you know, especially when they're getting blown out and losing to teams like the Magic. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there was the whole thing about Kevin Love getting the rebound and then like bending down to give it to Thomas. And, you know, Thomas has come out and said, you know, they – they can't handle adversity. They don't play like a team. They don't trust each other. And LeBron basically said, I'm committed to this team for this year. I'm not going to give up. Mm-hmm. Keyword this year. Key words, I should say, this year, not <laughs> yeah. just the entire future. Which has kind of pigeon pigeonholed the Cavs in making a deal because essentially if they can't get a commitment from LeBron, why would they deal what they have and it's like that's where it kind of having the best player in the world kind of sucks because he can't you know commit which makes it really frustrating yeah um i had something to add to that too oh all right yeah so i just read literally uh it was either tonight uh yesterday night or this morning excuse me that I read a Bleacher Report story saying that LeBron James had cursed at uh, Cavaliers executives during that same meeting when uh, it got heated when the Cavs players were questioning Kevin Love actually being sick or whatever mm-hmm. that when he missed games. So according to the Athletics, Jason Lloyd, it says that James cursed towards at least two team executives during the late January team meeting in which players questioned the legitimacy of Kevin Love's own. Jason Lloyd mentioned that the Cavaliers executives have kind of been doing stuff behind LeBron James' back, not exactly asking him for permission, which, I mean, they're they're the ones that make the deal at the end of the day. But when you talk about LeBron hasn't said he's going to stay, he hasn't come out and, and given them, like, much to work with, 
why why would they give up a potential top three pick from the net of the Nets? You know, mm-hmm. that's if Le- I feel like if LeBron gave them a guarantee that he wouldn't leave at the end of the season, that pick would already be gone. They would already have an All Star paired next to LeBron again. They may even blow up the situation that they had. You yeah, know, they have the, they technically have the opportunity to deal Thomas and Kevin Love and hell even Tristan Thompson if they wanted to mm-hmm. you know get better talent uh to surround LeBron but why do that if you know they're not going to get a commitment from their star player and exactly. Brian Windhorse for ESPN reported today and this is a dude that's followed LeBron since he was basically in high school I mean I remember seeing this dude go from uh, on the ground reporter to he's literally on every ESPN uh, show that has to deal with basketball because LeBron's the center of the NBA, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Windhorse basically said, if the Cavs don't make a deal before the deadline, that is a plane ticket out of Cleveland for LeBron. Maybe we'll have the conversation tonight. I'll leave that up to you and I. Maybe we have it later about where we think LeBron's going to land. Um, but right now, if I'm Cleveland, you are in third place. You have a upset team and LeBron essentially, as much as he likes to think he is, the joke is he's the coach, player, coach, and GM, mm-hmm. right? He's a Jackie Moon. I think... <laughs> I think you have to trade Thomas or Love. Mm-hmm. If if I want to do what I can to keep LeBron, I don't really care about building around Kevin Love, so I might as well deal him. And Jesus Christ, they should get rid of Tristan Thompson, but they're not going to because he has no market value. Uh, he's getting paid way too much to suck. Yeah. Um, 5.8 points per game, 6 rebounds in 20.3 minutes. Yeah, that's... Season. Just and he's making $20 million. Yeah, that's pretty pathetic. So with that said, I mean, if if I'm the Cavs, I don't know who I go after. I don't even know if I make that first pick available. But at least I say Kevin Love is available, Isaiah Thomas is available. Because clearly they're not meshing well together. And yeah. honestly, Kevin Love really hasn't ever meshed well with LeBron and because he's never gotten to shine like he did when he was with Minnesota. So it's like, you know, Isaiah's a point guard. You know, keep him fine. You know, let him go back to his shooting ways. Clearly, you know, there was a rumor that the players are, you know, his teammates are upset with his shot choice. And it's like, well, he's always had a crazy shot choice. Yeah, they knew he was they the, had to know what they were getting into. Yeah, offensive power, you know, for the Celtics. Like, he was the one who, who moved the ball. So, either you say Isaiah Thomas and Love are up or one of them are up. Because one of them has to go to change things up, essentially. Yeah. And if you trade Thomas then the Celtics pretty much guaranteed won that deal. Um, But if you trade Love, then see what you can get. See what the Clippers are wanting. I I mean, Love and uh, one of their first-round picks for DeAndre, maybe not a bad deal. Probably not the Nets pick, but it's like I I really don't know what DeAndre brings to the table other than uh, protection at the rim and lobs. Um, But... Clearly, Kevin Love isn't doing it for you, and he just broke his hand. So I guess yeah. you know he's not on the. Yeah, you can't really get rid of him right now. And the thing is about the Cavs. Sorry is, for that entire rant about yeah. that because I guess that doesn't make. Any the sense. thing is about the Cavs is that 
they've never really been the type to go addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. They've always been the type to just add on to what they already have and then make it work, you know? That's That's been their whole thing with LeBron. Is It goes back to when he was there the first time and they were trying to add all these players that were, I mean, basically bums. They were, they were players that had been past their peak, you know? And that was one of the things that ultimately led him to leaving is the fact that he didn't receive any help. They were sending him players like Anton Jameson that, I mean, he just didn't have much left, you know? Yeah. So... It's just it's like like you said it's it's interesting that the circumstances around the Cavaliers, them not knowing the future of LeBron is hindering this season for them because LeBron I mean he does that thing every season he signs a one year deal and can opt out mm-hmm. and it's I mean it's perfect for him but it it kills a team you can't plan for the future with your number one guy being like that. They already sent Kyrie Irving. He was their backup plan. And clearly they showed LeBron that he's still the guy that they want to build around. But they don't have any promise of him actually staying there to to see it through. So I guess not to stay on the cast for too long. In my opinion, you got to get rid of someone from their big three. And obviously it's not going to be LeBron. You know, Kevin Loves technically still could get dealt, and so could Isaiah Thomas. But they got to do something, and I don't know what it is, but we have until the end of tomorrow to find out, I guess. I think it's too early for them to get rid of Isaiah mm-hmm. just because they gave up Kyrie for him. Yeah. They have to see that through at least one season. I mean, obviously, he, him being injured and missing all the games up until January when he first started, that obviously takes away – because there's going to be growing pains when you get rid of an all-star and you add another all-star. Obviously, the team, the players need games to to mesh with each other. This was an issue because Thomas missed the first 30-plus games of the season. So he's getting that time to mesh when the Cavaliers are already like, we don't really have time for this. We need you guys to, to be good together already. It needs to work. Like... There just isn't really anything else for them to do. So one of the biggest um, trade names this year is actually a former king in Tyreek Evans. I mean, he's been rumored for a lot of different teams, and he's played a lot uh, because there's been a lot of injuries in Memphis, but he's played really well. I mean, he's been a huge pickup in fantasy. Um, you know, He's averaging a lot of time, averaging a lot of points. Um, really changed his career too you know going to a different team getting a new scenery and one of the points that you know you've always said is you know it's almost like the kings kind of missed out yeah so i mean (laughs) it's funny i'm looking at tyreek's stats he's playing 31 minutes per game averaging 19 and a half points five rebounds and five assists Half a point under that twenty-five and five that Kings fans were going oh so crazy about when he was when he was a rookie, and I and I was one of them. But I mean, looking back at it, Tyreek Evans he came he came back with he was with the Kings last year after the trade uh, with the Pelicans when we gave up Demarcus Cousins. So he he was just kind of a sort of a throw-in, and I mean he's only twenty-eight years old. And he signed a contract with the Memphis, with the Grizzlies for three million, three point two million, almost three point three million. And it's crazy looking at that, and then thinking we chose to let him go, 
not not to say that he was ever going to re-sign with the Kings, and I don't think anybody expected him to. I didn't think anybody expected the Kings to make him an offer, and they didn't. But three point three million he signed, and we went out and signed Vince Carter for eight million. And now Tyreek Evans is being mentioned as I'm looking at hoops hype, and they're talking about the the rumors about the Celtics looking at a, trying to get a first round pick for Marcus Smart, and they're looking at that because they want to get a first round pick that they can send over for Tyreek Evans. And I'm just thinking like the Kings really, if they could have kept Tyreek Evans, maybe throw him four million, you know, a little bit more money. Does he have that same value with the King? I mean, I don't know. I, I think that maybe he just would have never came back to the Kings only because, you know, his previous experience yeah. with the franchise. I mean, and it was ex- like I said, it was expected that they were going to part ways at the end of the season. Yeah. Buddy Hield was the, the centerpiece. Buddy Hield and the draft pick were the framework of that trade. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, we talked about it too. Uh, Although, you know, his his stats say otherwise, he never seemed like a true point guard, even though, you know, um, basketball reference has him listed as point guard. I see him more as a shooting guard. And, you know, when he was with the Kings, um, they listed him, you know, at small forward, shooting guard, whatnot. And so either way, he's proven that when he's on the court, he has value. Um, I think that if he goes to a contender, obviously his minutes get cut. Mm-hmm. And he either's kind of like I texted you, he, he's a fill-in starter or maybe a permanent starter. I just don't see that. But he also could be a valued sixth man. Mm-hmm. So I just – it's cra- kind of – I guess what I'm really thinking of, it's crazy to see that Tyreek Evans, where he is now, is considered a top target in the NBA. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, rumored with a bunch of different teams, like from the Cavs to the Nuggets to whoever you want to name. He's been rumored with them. Celtics. Yeah, I mean. One of the big ones. If the Celtics could land him, that'd be crazy. But I think that, you know, either way, you know, we're happy for him. But, you know, if only the Kings could have had a better team. But, you know, we talked about it too. The Kings had to choose between DeMarcus and Tyreek, and they chose DeMarcus, and now we have neither player. So, yeah. And now they're talking uh, – I'm looking over here on Hoops Hype again, and they, they even have him linked to possibly the 76ers. Oh, that'd be disgusting. I mean, this, they need veteran this, help, that, that's so. the thing. I was We were talking about just, – just when we were talking about the Pistons, I said it wouldn't surprise me at all if they jumped the Sixers just because the Sixers being so young. Mm-hmm. I mean – it's just it's a long season. Yeah. Embiid has not seen a full season of play. Ben Simmons, this is his first season, obviously. He has Embiid full just played his play. first like back to back. Yeah. It's they're they're just such a young team. A player like Tyreek Evans, I could easily see him. His minutes would decline, but I could still see him getting twenty five minutes a game for Yeah, them. absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I mean they're heavy. More at, minutes than he would probably yeah, get with the Celtics. Yeah, right? they're heavy so. at the forward position, but he could slide into that shooting guard spot really easily. Oh yeah. And, I mean, they're already a big team, so that would just be disgusting if they throw him in there. Especially it would take some pressure off of Ben Simmons late in the games if he's another ball handler you throw in there, you know? And, yeah, so, I mean, Tyreek's name has just, just been throwing out, just just been everywhere. So, I guess the last player that I, I thought that was really interesting when the trade rumors started to come up uh, was Kemba. 
And you and I have talked about it off air, what Kemba means to the Hornets, but we've never actually got to do it recorded. But you basically said the Hornets are kind of in the same situation that the Kings were with DeMarcus uh, with Kemba. Yeah, I mean, it's to that point where they have a decision to make, whether they buy in to Kemba Walker being the face of that franchise and offer him another fat contract or they decide to cut their loss and look at getting uh, draft picks, look at getting some some valuable players maybe on the cheaper end uh, that can come in and help. They don't really have anybody that they can really build around other than Kemba right now. But they did just draft Malik Monk. He hasn't really done much as a rookie. Um, you said they so just got Hernan Gomez. They got <laughs> they traded for Willie Hernan Gomez, and I mean he when he was with the Knicks when he was getting playing time he was, I mean he he can he can score the ball. Mm-hmm. He he is a talent, but he fell off really quickly, and I mean obviously it just soured in New York. So. I'm reading this article from the Charlotte Observer that just dropped three hours ago, and basically uh, the article is saying that Kemba's basically okay with his name being in trade rumors, and he's content with the fact that it's out of his hands. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, Kemba's locked up for another year. You know, he's making $12 million this year and next year, and then the end of 2019, he's a free agent. And it's just like, arguably, he's the best um, player in Hornets franchise. You know, you could make that argument for him, and... Does he deserve to be a winner? Yeah, I mean, we we said that they're in tenth place right now and only a couple games out of eighth. So, so I'll throw out something crazy. What about the Cavs going after Kemba? They've they've he's been it's a been a rumor, but would they get rid of Isaiah? And the trades that I've seen, they didn't, which was weird. That's but what it's I'm like, saying. Why would you have? So, but I mean, that would mean that they full circle Kyrie to Isaiah to Kemba. Get the top three guards. And that's yeah. That's I don't know if that's that would just be crazy to look at and see. I, hey, I think Kemba and LeBron would be pretty ridiculous together. But yeah, Ke- but Kemba's not as good as Kyrie. Yeah, he's not. And but I, I, he may you know Cavs fans may see him as an upgrade to Ed Thomas. Yeah, but I mean Isaiah. We've seen what Isaiah can do with the Celtics. And it's not to say he wasn't playing with stars. He was playing with Al Horford. He was playing with I don't know. Yeah, I'm just I'm thinking about it now. I I think that by the time this goes live, this will be live before the end of the trade deadline. So everyone will have the answers by the end of tomorrow. But the idea is that as of right now, where we stand, we have no idea, and that's kind of cool, but also sucks because if we had just waited till the end of tomorrow, we would have all the answers and yeah. we would just comment on that. But be good. I will say this. Right now, I don't think Kemba gets traded. I do think uh, Evans goes, and I think that the Cavs I think the Cavs make a deal, but part of me thinks that they just don't and they just flounder the rest of the season. They just but sit on it. Maybe they figure it out, but I mean, for me, that's all I have for this show. I don't know about you, but that's all I got as well. As long as the Kings don't trade for Ryan Anderson, I'm happy. It's a it's a win for the trade deadline. <laughs> I, I I agree with you. Um, with that, 
I will always apologize for the fact that we don't, you know, upload as much as we both wish we could, you know. It's on both of us. If we did this as a living, I mean, of course, we would. it would be a different timeline, different schedule. Um, for all the research that we do, it's just between the two of us. I wish we had more help, but, you know, it. we don't make money for this and we're not asking to. But if we did, you know, it'd be a different show. But nonetheless, I want to thank everyone that stayed and listened to our podcast. Um Remember, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter uh, at the Max Steel Podcast. Um, you know, if not, you know, you can always follow Nick. Uh, what's your Twitter again? Uh, at Nick Van Excellent. Uh, that is. Yeah, I know it's it's always awesome to say. You got to spell excellent as in Nick Van Exel, E X E L, rather than excellent with a C. So cut the C. Uh, because if we don't <laughs> record, Nick always writes and Nick always tweets and. He has a lot of good things to say, and I definitely think it's worth a follow. Um, hey, thank you, thank you. If you know, and send money. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Where do I write the check? <laughs> um, but other than that, if you know anyone that likes sports, likes objective, you know, view of sports, and isn't going to talk about how far ball has two kids in Lithuania, and you know, if you notice, we barely talked about Malcolm Butler, all the things that dominate sports media. I just really don't care to talk about i mean yeah we cover some of it but we don't focus on it for hours on end yeah you know um but if you think someone else would like that share it with them uh you can listen to us on soundcloud uh google play and uh apple podcasts so look for us there and with that i'm gonna sign out i'm kaviko with my buddy nick peace and we're out <laughs>